It's time for the Tri-County Equipment Get Stuck on Sports Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dennis Stuckey and Brady Beaton. Last day of uh, 2021 and a lot of basketball to uh, talk about because we just uh, finished covering the uh, SC4 Showcase uh, Tournament and we ended up doing 14 games in three days. Can you tell in our voices? They're a little raspy. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, and, and I've been fighting the sinus thing now for two weeks. Yeah, I mean, I've and, had... And so I've that's had, a perfect week to do I've seven games in three days. Those sniffles or a sore throat <laughs> since, like, the first week of basketball season. It's one of those things that, like, it hangs with you until the, the sun comes out again. Yes, it does. So, and then, like you said, you did... Well, did we, we each did seven, We each did right? seven, yeah. Because you were going to do eight, but the Marine City Advanced Tech girls game got canceled. Unfortunately, because I was looking forward to seeing the Marine City girls play. Yeah. And I needed to add another blowout to my resume because that's pretty much all I had. Yeah. Um, I did feel bad because every <laughs> single one of my games was a single-digit finish. And, like, every single one of your games was a blowout yeah, outside my, of one. Yeah, my, my best game was the very first game that I did in the uh, tournament. It was my closest uh, game. I won't say it was my best game because the PH girls uh, beat Goodrich, so that was pretty good. Yeah, but and that was still a, that was a it was an eight point game. It wasn't like the prettiest basketball game. No, it was pretty ugly. But we'll talk about yeah, that because that's effective for the Big Reds. Like but. what I saw in in the seven games I did, I saw an eighteen point fourth quarter comeback. I saw someone score 34 points, which I assumed was going to be the high watermark that I'd see. I then saw just a couple back-and-forth games that saw lead changes. It felt like every minute. I had a game where we had a delay with the lights. I had a, someone get a technical while shooting free throws, which I've <laughs> never seen that before. One of the weirder games I've ever done in my life. I had a basically a buzzer beater and then i had someone set a school record with 47 points in a game and we'll talk about all of it when we come back here on the uh, tri-county equipment get stuck on sports podcast the final show of 2021 when you run with us on a gator utv the engine has your full attention the herd takes notice and the trail meets its match because with effortless four-wheel drive and our smoothest shifting transmission yet Nothing runs like a deer. Search John Deere Gator for more. Contact one of Tri-County Equipment's 10 locations in Bad Axe, Birch Run, Burton, Carrow, Fenton, Lapeer, Marlette, Reese, Saginaw, or Sandusky, or visit Tri-County Equipment online at tricountyequipment.com. Marshall E. Campbell Company, located in Port Huron, is a full-line distributor of industrial cutting tools, fluid power, electrical tools, and other electrical supplies, providing utility and contract-based services for more than 100 years. The company has a wide range of products that includes abrasives, automotives, ballast and lamps, boxes and closures, building products, chemicals and lubricants, electrical fittings and equipment, janitorial equipment, wire devices, and tapes and safety products. Marshall E. Campbell Company, located at 2975 Lapeer Road, or call them at 800 800- 250-7520. Buying or selling a home? You need an experienced company standing ready to help you with all your real estate needs who is committed to making you the client number one. O'Connor Realty hung out its real estate sign in the city of Marysville almost 40 years ago to help the good people of this community buy and sell their homes. O'Connor Realty provides access to free, no obligation home valuation reports prepared by a licensed realtor with no hidden fees. Located at 2801 Gratiot Boulevard, Marysville, give O'Connor Realty a call at 810-364-8700. For all your real estate needs, O'Connor Realty, small enough to know you, large enough to serve you. 
Hi, Chip Mortimer here. So much depends on your roof. Mortimer Lumber proudly features the Landmark Series Shingle from CertainTeed Roofing. Landmark Shingles come in many colors to surely enhance the look of your home. Landmark Shingles offer a limited lifetime warranty, so you can be assured your roof will last for generations to come. Stop by Mortimer Lumber at 24th and Lapeer in Port Huron. Our expert staff will be glad to help answer all of your questions. Mortimer Lumber has locations in Port Huron, Emily City, Sandusky, and Bad Axe. Hey guys, Brady Beaton here to let you know that TP Logos is now at their brand new location. Now located at 901 Michigan Avenue in Marysville, TP Logos has the largest in-stock selection of your team's spirit wear. While the location has changed, the service has not. They still will handle all of your custom screen printing and embroidery needs. Check out tplogos.com to see their vast selection of products, including Badger Sportswear, Nike, North Face, Richardson Hats, Carhartt, and more. Don't wait weeks for your gear. Get it in days with TP Logos. Take advantage of high market values by tapping into your home's equity with a low-rate home equity line of credit from Advia Credit Union. Use the cash for seasonal spending, consolidating high-interest debt, and much more. Learn more and get started online at adviacu.org forward slash HELOC. All loans subject to approval. Equal housing opportunity. NMLS number 401863. Derek Lean by Bachelor has been faithfully serving the Blue Water area for over 25 years. Whether you are commercial or residential, if you need carpet cleaning, stain removal, upholstered furniture, drapery, or air duct cleaning, call Derek Lean by Bachelor at 810-982-7044 and talk to Mike about their aerated foam process that allows carpet and furniture to dry quickly. From pet stains to odor removal to water damage cleaning and restoration, there's only one call you need to make. Derek Lean by Bachelor, 810-982-7044. Derek Lean by Bachelor. Magna International is North America's largest auto supplier and now calls the Blue Water area home. Our new plant, located on Range Road in St. Clair, will have great opportunities for all members of the community. Named to Fortune Magazine's World Most Admired Companies two years in a row, Magna offers many different career opportunities. Wages start from $17 and up. Go to magna.com forward slash careers to apply today. Again, magna.com forward slash careers to join our team and create the future of mobility together. Finding that missing shin guard. Remembering whether it's a home or away game. Getting the right kid to the right playing field on the right day. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. We work with independent agents who keep insurance simple so you can worry about more important things. Like not being that fan. Oh, come on, ref. That's simple human sense. For all your real estate and insurance needs, please go to our website at SheridanAgency.com. If you're not listening to GetStuckOnSports.com, that's a personal foul. Your kids, your schools, your sports. All right, you're back with uh, Dennis and uh, Brady, Tri-County Equipment, Get Stuck On Sports uh, podcast, and uh, we'll backtrack and start with uh, Tuesday, which was the first day of the tournament. We're just going to go chronologically. Yeah, which uh, we right. saw four games that started with me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, well, the whole break, nothing happens, and then as soon as we start to talk again, <laughs> we that's were when talking I have a coughing dear. fit. We were talking yeah. during the break, too. So, anyways, oh, uh, right. it, it started with uh, Brady doing the uh, Peck-New Haven Merritt boys game 
which uh, I was there watching uh, this one while Brady was working, uh, and and this one for three quarters was kind of a dog uh, where yeah, Merritt wasn't was dominating, team. and then all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, all of a sudden, it was, it was, it was two kids from Merritt, Hunter Lentine and Justin Dzinski, that – they were scoring basically when they wanted to. They got to the basket. They'd score in transition. Merritt actually didn't. I think they hit, uh, yeah, 1-3. Dzinski hit the 1-3 for Merritt. They're going up and down, going to the fourth quarter. It's 44-26. Merritt's beating Peck, and you're like, yeah, all right, let's get this over with. We have a lot of games. Let's not waste my voice. Come on. Like, that was kind of the feel. And then they come out. And a kid from Peck named Brady Babcock, he had no points going into the fourth year. Comes out, hits a three, and I'm like, hey, what do you go? 15-point game, trying to come back, you know, trying to sell the game. <laughs> and then they get a stop, and he hits another three, and you're like, oh, it's a 12-point game. They get a stop, get another bucket. I'm like, it's 10, and this is like a minute in. And then Babcock hits a third three. I think he hit three threes in, what, the first two minutes yeah. of the thir- thir- or the fourth quarter. And you're like, this is a seven-point game, and they call a timeout, and they went on like an 11-0 run in like two minutes, and you're like, oh, this is a basketball game. And then some other kids started to heat up. Nate Niehaus was the, the big guy inside, which really kind of, you said this to me the day of the game, he kept them in the game. Like, he would get a few buckets here and there to keep them within somewhat of striking distance, and he played well inside, and he got him going, and then Babcock hit a 4-3. He ended up scoring 14 points in the quarter, and Peck just came storming back. Merritt couldn't hit anything. Um, I believe it was Lenting that got – so there was a play in the post where he was guarding the post player, and the guy turned – and you and me agreed it was incidental contact, but he got, like, hit in the nose. Yeah. And he had to go out for, like, three or four minutes in the fourth quarter at big times, and Merritt couldn't score. And they scored five points in the quarter, all on free throws, and Peck stormed back and won at 53-49. They outscored Merritt 27-5 to in the fourth quarter. They scored more in the fourth quarter than they did in the other three combined. Yeah, well, it was uh, like uh, Niehaus and Dylan Rosenthal kind of were the guys that scored throughout the game for Peck. And then in the fourth quarter, obviously Babcock, 14 points in the fourth quarter, but Dalton Semph was the other guy. Yeah. He finished with 10, and, and probably three seven or eight of that came in the fourth quarter. Yeah, he had three threes. Yeah, he so. had one free throw and three triples. As a team, I think they hit eight threes in the th- fourth quarter, if I remember correctly. I mean, and this is after, like, the, the, they couldn't make a shot. They couldn't hit the side of a barn they couldn't, for three quarters. No, and it was like they went, all right, what are we doing? We're not losing. Come on. And, like, got it going. And that was, I believe, their first win of the year. They had lost a couple close games. And they just kind of decided, yeah, they were 0-4 coming into this. They decided, no, we're not losing. We're not going to 0-5. And it's like, oh, that's how we're starting this showcase, huh? It was a lot of fun between two small schools. Like, Peck, they're in our area, but we don't get to see them a lot just because there's other – Schools that are closer and to kind of take precedent, but it was nice to see them, and it was nice to see them storm back. Like, how often do you see a team score 27 in a quarter regardless of the situation? Yeah, let, let alone when you start that quarter down 18. Yeah. And looking like you, you, no, it you was, just don't want to be there. Yeah, I was like, 
like you're doing the game, I'm doing the game, and you're sitting there, and it's like, all right, yeah, Peck's getting beat. They're 0-4, going to be 0-5, whatever. Yeah, they decided not to not to do that because they, like, they had scored 13 points at halftime, and they end with 53. Well, you know, and, like, I'm watching the game going, ah, you know, Mer- Merritt's not that uh, no. bad of a little team here. You know, Dzinski, 19 points, Lentine, 16 points. They got a couple of kids that, that can play. And then all of a sudden the fourth quarter happens, and you're like, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what like, happened here? And it was like Merritt forgot how to score. Like, it, it, like Peck did play good defense, but, like, Dzinski stopped being as aggressive, and it was, like, it was just bizarre. You don't score a uh, a bucket in the fourth quarter. Yeah, like, and it's like not. Really? I mean, they finished with forty nine points. So for three quarters, they were getting shots and making shots and making things uh, happen. Uh, but uh, Peck really cranked it up uh, in the fourth quarter. So that was a fun comeback. Then uh, we had our first girls' game of the uh, tournament: Yale and Marlette. And again, two teams never seen. Either one of them uh, play. Impressed with a couple of kids um, for uh, Yale in uh, Griffith, who's clearly a good player. It's a name we've read before. Yeah. But finally, you, you get to see her play, and you go, okay, yeah, this is a good basketball player. And Kimberly Martin was the a other freshman. one that really played well. A freshman for Yale. Yeah, 14 points for her. It was a six-point game, 38-32. You said Yale beat Marlette. It never really felt like Yale was in trouble. Like Marlette would get within like four, and then it would become a ten-point game, and they'd kind of, they kind of just stayed in that range. Um, but yeah, Kimberly Martin, I thought was was the the most solid player for Yale. Jenna Griffith, like you mentioned, played played well too. Alyssa Barr, she's a big girl for just being a freshman. I think she, I don't remember what she was listed at like she close to six foot, if yeah. not over six foot. And Yale has has some young pieces. They only have two seniors on their team. That's that that's a nice building block. And Marlette couldn't get anyone really to score in bunches. I mean, Holly Hartwell ended with seven. That's the most anyone from Marlette had. Uh, Keys had six for Marlette, but and a few different girls with five. They had some nice players. I I like Bethany Ketchum. She only had five points, but I thought she handled the ball well, uh, kind of facilitated the offense, but they just couldn't get yeah. consistent scoring. Uh, I, the, the girl from Marlette that I think is going to be a good one, she's just a sophomore now, I believe, mm-hmm. is Gabby Martinez. Yeah, well, Watch for her for the next couple of years. She's a big yeah. that's going to get better, and you can tell she's got some skill. She does have skill. There, there, she's a little green, but – that takes time, and that comes with being a sophomore. Is that they need that she's going to have time to develop, and yeah, probably the next couple years we'll be reading her name more and more. But you know, it's nice to see Yale, and yeah, when you get twenty-seven points between two girls, that's a uh, nice performance. Well, then we got to see the Marlette uh, boys. They were playing Ross uh, Common. This was a weird game, but I-, I was happy to finally get to see Colin Miller play. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I will say this. He did not shoot the lights out in this game, and yet he still found a way at the end of the game to have 21 of his team's 45 points. Well, I was there for, like, the first quarter and a half, and I, like, cause I had to go do stuff. But the first five minutes, I'm going, 
this is Marlette. <laughs> like, they came out slow. They didn't come out slow. They came out not moving. Well, th- this is one of the weirdest first quarters I've ever seen. Like, I- I'm just trying to think in my mind if I've ever actually seen a quarter. So, four minutes into the game, it's 10 nothing. Ross Common. And it looks like it's going to continue that way. Like, Ross Common had no problem scoring. At the end of the first quarter... It's 11-10 to 10 Marlette. So Ross Common wins the first four minutes 10-0, and Marlette wins the second four minutes 11 to nothing. Quarter to quarter, you see stuff like that, but in the same quarter, to have two opposite runs like that and have a one-point game at the end of the, the quarter. You know, one team go on a 10 nothing run, and one team go on an 11 nothing run, and you got a one-point game at the end of the first quarter. I don't know that I've ever seen that before. Yeah. That was uh, that was bizarre to say the least, but Marlette really never gave up that momentum, did they? No. Well, once they took the lead in the game, they actually never gave it up again in the game. And, and it was, uh, like you said, with, with the Yale uh, girls and Marlette. Marlette was able to just kind of keep them at arm's length. It was always a close game. But they just kind of keep, you know, maybe they'd get up by 12 and then it would get back to six. But it would never get any closer than six to four points. And when Marlette needed a basket, they'd get it. Miller scored 21. Grant Roberson was the other guy that had a good game for them with 14. Peyton Brooks only had eight points, but the first six were part of that 11 nothing run in the first quarter. They put him in the game, and he was the guy that made a couple of baskets, broke the seal, and got them going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he finished with, uh, with eight points. But that was really just the three guys basically scored. The rest of the team had two points. Travis Fuller and uh, Brandon Anderson each made a free throw in, in the game. So if it wasn't Miller or Roberson or Brooks – Marlette had a little bit of problem scoring the basketball, but they did just enough. They played great defense. I thought both teams, actually. That's the one thing that I saw during the three days was a lot of good defense. Mm-hmm. I didn't see a whole lot of offense. I <laughs> no, didn't, I didn't no, see the performances. Yeah, I didn't see the performances like you saw, but I saw a lot of great, uh, great defense. Uh, and again, Ross Common had a nice player. Joel Ewald scored uh, 19 uh, points, uh, and he came out. Uh, he knocked down four threes in the game, and uh, two of them came in that 10 nothing run to, to start the game where the first couple of di- times down the floor, I'm like, oh, geez, they better cover him because it doesn't look like he's going to miss tonight. Right. Yeah, and I mean, Ross Common, it's always it's always nice when you get a win over like a, a unfamiliar foe because that, that's a – that's a trek for them to come down to this. That's what, like three hours? Uh, yeah, that, that's probably a, a, a two-and-a-half to three-hour drive, yeah. Yeah, so you, you play someone. I, I don't – because I think they played them a couple years ago in this event too. So I don't know if there's a connection to that. But did you also notice, and I'm surprised by this because Marlette's not a big school, that they had like seven assistant coaches? <laughs> like you expect that with a big school, but – there's apparently a lot of support in Marlette. Well, that's good, though. Yeah, it is. It was just like you looked at the bench and, like, you do a double take, and you're like, there's as many coaches as there are players. All right. Armada Anchor Bay was the uh, last game of uh, day uh, one, and uh, this one was close 
for a quarter, and then Armada just kind of kept stretching out the lead, stretching out the lead, stretching out the lead. The bottom line is Anchor Bay really struggles to score. They play hard. Um, I like some of their guys. I really like Dylan Gyra, but Gyra is really the only guy for the Tars who looks like, you know, a natural scorer. Mm-hmm. Everybody else has to just scratch and claw to to make their shots and, and to get uh, points for them. Gyra's the one guy that's smooth. He's a post guy who can step out and knock down a, a three. I, I, I've seen him twice now. I like the way he plays his game, but they're just the supporting cast around him. They all play hard. Um, and, and but they just there isn't anybody else who's like just a natural shooter or natural scorer. Like they really struggle to to make their baskets. Uh, and Armada was really kind of balanced. Like um, it, it's uh, I, I finally got to see Andrew Snezak, um play, and he was a force. Mm-hmm. He had 14 points. He looked really good. But also, he didn't have to do it all because, you know, Preston Hill was good. Kuhn was good. Um, Waskin was good. And Armada didn't even Nathan have, Chapman they, was they good. They weren't at full strength. Yeah, they weren't at full strength. They were missing uh, New, some, some guys. right? No- Noonkester uh, didn't uh, play. Um, so, I mean, but, like, everybody who did play contributed mm-hmm. something. You know, everybody was – their point scores were between 14 and 5 points. Everybody was giving them a little something. Yeah. Um, and it was different guys at different times. Early in the game, it was Chapman. And then when he ran out of gas, Sneezak picked up the pace. And when he got into a little uh, funk, Preston Hill scored some baskets. And then Kuhn was the finisher at the end, knocking down free throws um, and making sure. Uh, and Armada just, again, just gradually kept building the lead. They didn't win any quarter in the game by more than seven points, but at the end of the night, they won by 20 points, 58 to 38. That's a nice bounce back for them, especially after a couple of double-digit losses. I mean, Lakeshore is a very talented team. I can't really fault Armada for losing to Lakeshore. And then at MLA City, they took it on the chin. They lost by 21. So they get back on the right track in the game. If you probably talk to them, they feel they should win. They should have won. Um, but, hey, you took care of it. You, you, you beat them by 20. You come back. On the third, they have Lampfear. That's probably another game that they're feeling they should win at home, and then they get into the thick of BWAC play. So Armada's a team that I think is going to be better as the year goes on and might pull off one of those surprising wins by in, like, mid-February. All right, so those were Tuesday's games. Going to take a, a break here, and then we'll get into uh, Wednesday's games and the uh, the rest of the tournament in uh, just a moment. Here on the Tri-County Equipment Get Stuck on Sports podcast. When you run with us on a Gator UTV, the engine has your full attention. The herd takes notice, and the trail meets its match. Because with effortless four-wheel drive and our smoothest shifting transmission yet, nothing runs like a deer. Search John Deere Gator for more. Contact one of Tri-County Equipment's 10 locations in Bad Axe, Birch Run, Burton, Carroll, Fenton, Lapeer, Marlette, Reese, Saginaw, or Sandusky, or visit Tri-County Equipment online at tricountyequipment.com. 
Marshall E. Campbell Company, located in Port Huron, is a full-line distributor of industrial cutting tools, fluid power, electrical tools, and other electrical supplies, providing utility and contract-based services for more than 100 years. The company has a wide range of products that includes abrasives, automotives, ballast and lamps, boxes and closures, building products, chemicals and lubricants, electrical fittings and equipment, janitorial equipment, wire devices, and tapes and safety products. Marshall E. Campbell Company, located at 2975 Lapeer Road, or call them at 800 800- 250-7520. Neiman's Family Market, located in St. Clair, is family-owned and operated and involved in the community. Neiman's has created a shopping experience providing a variety of quality products, specialty items, with superior customer service. Whatever your grocery needs are, from meats, bulk food, bakery items, produce, or even floral, Neiman's Family Market has what you will need. Entertaining? Neiman's has a full deli, and they do party trays. Check out our new mobile website and see weekly specials, coupons, and recipes. Open 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. all week long. Visit Neiman's Family Market in St. Clair. You'll be glad you did. Feel more confident and in control of your financial life. Ameriprise Advisors can work with you to provide personalized, goal-based advice based on your short and long-term goals. Plus, you can track your investments and financial solutions with our digital tools and regular meetings. Call Ameriprise Financial Advisor Dave Betts today at 810-987-5370. That's 810-987-5370. Office is located at 527 Huron Avenue, Port Huron, Michigan. Ameriprise Financial Services. Services LLC, member FINRA, and SIPC. Take advantage of high market values by tapping into your home's equity with a low-rate home equity line of credit from Advia Credit Union. Use the cash for seasonal spending, consolidating high-interest debt, and much more. Learn more and get started online at adviacuorg forward slash HELOC. All loans subject to approval. Equal housing opportunity. NMLS number 401863. Having car trouble? Look no further than Marysville Goodyear. Located at 291 Range Road, Marysville Goodyear will take care of all your automotive needs. They know that just one visit to them will make you a customer for life. Whether it's a tune-up or tire rotation, consistency is the name of the game for the folks at Marysville Goodyear. Need tires? Marysville Goodyear is a certified dealer of Goodyear, Dunlop, and Kelly tires, and they stock tires for cars, trucks, SUVs, and more. Give them a call today at 810-364-4700. Marysville Goodyear, where your satisfaction is our guarantee. Looking for that perfect first vehicle for your kid's Sweet 16? Maybe you just want a quality vehicle at a fair price. Whatever your needs are, Jepson Car Company will take care of you. Located at 5277 Gratiot Avenue in St. Clair, Jepson has a wide variety of pre-owned vehicles that can fit your budget. With a great selection for first-time car buyers, check out their website at jepsoncarco.com. That's J-E-P-S-O-N-C-A-R-C-O.com. Or give them a call at 810-662-3048 to find the perfect ride. This is Nash Phillips. I'm a class of 2022 senior and varsity football player at Port Huron High. As a Port Huron School student, I get to experience an education with the most athletic, extracurricular, and academic opportunities in the region. The district provides personal success for all students because each Port Huron School's journey is unique and special. I know I am supported by my teachers and everyone in the district both in the classroom and on the football field. I also know they care about my well-being each and every day. Port Huron Schools have prepared me for anything I choose to do with my future. Please go to www.phasd.us and our social media for the latest updates on Port Huron Schools.
Magna International would like to thank the Blue Water area for welcoming us into their community. We are excited to put our roots down in this beautiful, growing area. As the largest auto supplier in North America, we are thrilled to call Blue Water area home and look forward to many, many years in this wonderful community. Our brand new facility is located off of Range Road in St. Clair, Michigan. Magna is a proud sponsor of Blue Water Area High School Athletics. If you're not listening to GetStuckOnSports.com, that's a personal foul. Your kids, your schools, your sports. All right, welcome back. Dennis and uh, Brady on our uh, final show of 2021. So day two of the tournament was supposed to start with a Marine City girls basketball game, but uh, that one got canceled, uh, and so we were down to just four games. Not but not Marine City's fault, by no, the way. No, not Marine City's fault. It was it, it Dearborn was a, Advanced Tech. Yeah. Which I still can't believe that, like, why do you, why is there, like, technological high schools? Like, you're really pigeonholing your kid if you're going to a technological high school. Why are you asking me these schools? I don't know. Like, I don't have kids. I don't send my kids but there. But, like, <laughs> how does a tech, like, how does a tech high school, like, you don't see an I agriculture think they just, high school. I just think they do it to sound cool. And to charge more tuition, <laughs> like yeah, we have it, to. I'm sorry, we have to charge a little more because we're a tech. Yeah, like if there's a if you go to a tech high school, is there, we're an advanced tech. Yeah, like do you do more technological stuff there, or is it just a name? Like if you go to Cas Tech, do you get more technological training than if you went to a different? Like if you went to King, like I I, I genuinely don't know because obviously when you go to colleges. That that happened. Like you go to Michigan Tech, they send out engineers by the hundreds. You know that. You go to like an A and M, you're gonna go there for agriculture. Like that's a thing, but that's in college. You go to Wayne, you're gonna go there to get drunk. Anyway. <laughs> or at least Brady did. Anyway. Yeah. Good lord. Yeah. I haven't I haven't ragged on you in a while. That is true. You I've haven't been, thrown I've been a shot. Good. I just caught it that stray. All right. So. Um, so here's what I want to tell you about the first game that, that happened. Do not judge the St. Clair girls basketball game a team on the outcome of their game. Lake Fenton is just ridiculous. Okay. And I'm telling you, they were missing kids that play. Like uh, they, they didn't have uh, Sisk. And they didn't have Clement. And I remember those kids. They play, and they're good players. So they did what they did without all of their guns. But their worst player would be the best player on most teams in our area. And I think that's a very fair statement. And there was one senior on that team, right? Yeah. They, they don't have any weak Links. Uh, I jokingly said during the game, the the their only uh, chink in the armor was shooting free throws because they didn't particularly shoot free throws well the the other day. But they did everything else. They made eleven threes, Brady. Nine in the first half of the game, and that's because they didn't shoot threes in the second half. They they were up twenty at the end of the first, and then put 33 points up in the second quarter. They had 56 
at halftime. Like St. Clair. Played the second half in running time and still scored 25 points. St. Clair's a team that's going to compete for a Matt Gold title. Again, we've kind of said we think they might be a step behind Marine City and Marysville. But if they beat either of those two teams, we're not going to be shocked. No. Like we, we, especially if they do it like at home. So that's a team that's going to be in the mix for a league title and will win more games than they lose probably by the end of the season. And, and they, they have some depth. Like, St. Clair doesn't have a superstar. They were also missing but, two, yeah, two of their players. But, but they have depth, and they have a lot of players yes. that are kind of in the same mold. And they most games, they do good things. But Lake Fenton is just... They're. I'm not exactly. They're not right. Like, if it, if Lake Fenton wanted to be jerks about it, they probably could have tried to score 100 points and gotten there. The the way they were playing, absolutely, absolutely. If the I I think that they they scored 81, and I think they held the ball the last three minutes of the game. Yes, they literally ran the last like. The possession did not change after the three-minute mark. They they knocked down a, a three in the third quarter, and he called a timeout. Yeah. And he called them over, and he said, no more threes. Yes. So, I mean, yeah, it's not like they're out there trying to run up the score. Now, they, they were pressing, but they had seven kids, and that's how they play. Uh, it's kind of hard to say, stop playing the way you play. Right. But, I mean, eventually they even stopped with that. See, it's one thing, like, the defense, the pressing, I have no problem with as long as when you get it. Yeah, in the, you, fir- in the first half, I don't care. Play your right. game. Right. You have to, like, the first half, like you said, unless you, it is a clear, 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 this game shouldn't even be happening mismatch. Play to halftime. And then in the second half, the, the, the thing I've said, at least in high school sports, is you can do it the right way. You're gonna put, you're gonna put your backups in, and especially the kids that don't play a lot. I'm never gonna ask a kid that doesn't play as much to not play hard. But the the other problem, like you said, they had seven girls. They had seven kids, so, and, and nobody was a backup. Right, they were all really good basketball players. So you had uh, Savannah Fellenbaum, they're big, had 17 points. Ella Prevost had 14 points. Emerson Baker, who I really liked, had 13 points. Amaya Smith had 12 points. Uh, Kerrigan Houdeshell, who's actually maybe their best player, mm-hmm. 10 points. Nine points for Anna Prevost, six points for Lily Wright. Those were their seven players. Yeah. It, it, it's – and again, they're all really good. And we're not trying to be, like, politically correct by saying don't use this as an indictment on St. Clair. Like, no. But, no, it's not fair because no. Lake Fenton would have done this – to, I, I saw them do this to a really good Marine City team in the regionals in 19. Yeah, did, when they were slated to play – did they ever play Emily City? Or no, that, that was going to be the regional championship game, and that was the actual day that everything got canceled. So here are, here are the scores for Lake Fenton. Against Southfield Arts and Tech. Again, come on, again with the Arts and Tech. 61-25. Corona, 62-26, which – by the way, we'll get to Corona. They played Marysville very, very tight. Schwartz Creek, 75-31. Clio, 64-37. MLA City, a team that went to a quarterfinal, quarterfinal last year and has 
what might be the best player in our area on the team and has a few really nice players. 52-35. How good? Now that you've seen Lake Fenton again in person, I know there's no moral victories, but you look at a 17-point loss and you go, look at what else they've done. You're like, I'm Lake City played with them. And that was at Lake Fenton. Yeah. And then 81-18 against St. Clair. Uh, for the uh, the Saints, too, because I want to get this in, because, again, they didn't have Gottler or Paris Henderson, so they had a, a couple of JV players uh, come up, and uh, Riley Schneider got into the uh, the game, scored four points, and actually played uh, pretty well for the uh, Saints. Uh, Audrey Schindler was six, Ashlyn Zimmer had uh, five, and Alexa Vickers knocked down a, a three-pointer. Uh, Not a lot of scoring for St. Clair, but I wanted to get the, their names into. Yeah, and that's that. That's tough. But St. Clair, again, you don't hang your heads on that one, but just know that like, when you talk about being one of the best teams in the state and like, if you think you want to make a state title run, and that's just not for St. Clair, but for anyone, that's the competition. That's the, the mark you have to get to. Yeah. And that's not... A, 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 a Orchard Lake St. Mary's, Warren, Regina, that you just go, well, n- no, we're never going to, like, they're a pri- that is a public school that they, they play in what? The Flint Metro League, right? Yeah, I, I don't know what league they play in, but I wouldn't want to be in their league right, don't they, right now. Don't they play with, like, Ortonville, Brandon, yeah, those teams? But the group of kids they've got going through there right now, they're pretty good. That, that's all I can say. It's, They're pretty it's, good. It's ridiculous. So. Yeah. Um, St. Clair boys, first time you got to see them, and they didn't disappoint you. No, uh, they they played uh, the Dearborn Advanced Tech, which uh, you uh, – Academy, sorry. Yeah, the I Academy. I got to throw the Academy in there too. Dearborn Advanced Tech Academy. Anyway, they played the Lakers. Uh, and uh, this uh, was uh, an interesting uh, basketball game uh, too because I, I thought St. Clair – it's actually really? just called Advanced Technological Academy. Yeah. Technolo- Technology Academy. This was a tight game throughout until the fourth quarter, and then I thought the Saints really put them away. They outscored them. It was 35-32 going into the fourth for St. Clair, and St. Clair outscored them 17-6 in the fourth quarter. And, again, what I like about St. Clair, a lot of balance, mm-hmm. a lot of guys making contributions, uh, and, and not all, like, with just offense. Different guys were rebounding the basketball. I thought Eli Lore was sensational Eli, at well, both ends of the court. Go ahead and talk, and then I'll talk about Eli Lore yeah. for a minute. Uh, uh, cramp in the first half. He finished with 14, but he had 12 in the first half, and he made a couple of big three-point shots when, you know, the, the game is close and you, you need a basket. Cramp was the guy in the first half that made the baskets. I thought all throughout the game, Kai Penowell was just solid. Um, I thought that, that they had a, a – they recognized early that they had a mismatch in the post with Kai against uh, the, the other guy. Sean James was his name. He got off to a really slow start, and Penowell took advantage of it early in the game. And then James got better as the game went on, mm-hmm. and that matchup became a little more even, but a little too little too late 
kind of kind of a thing. Uh, and Kai finished with 11. Cam Bleasdale had a nice game with uh, seven points. Hunter Richardson came in and gave them some nice minutes, got some rebounds. He gets in the way. He and Penowell, they might not block the shot, but they alter guys' shots when they come into the paint and all of a sudden there's this big dude in front of you yeah. and you've got to change the angle of your, your shot to try to, to get it up there. Um, but I really just thought all around Eli Lore w- had a really good game. He had 12 points. He easily had 10, 12 rebounds too. So Eli Lore, I feel like, is, well, as the season goes on, he's, he's being more and more appreciated. But last year, remember, he missed, I think he played in like three games because he had an ankle injury and couldn't play, and then he came back uh, in the middle of basketball season. I think it was ankle. He, he was injured and was out and and came back uh, in the spring season. And he's a 6'5 guard that handles the ball really well. He's got good vision on the floor. And he makes a big difference from the team from last year to this year. And by the way, also, they, they they did that game without both Ellis Boys or Derek Distelrath. Yeah, who that's all play and contribute for St. Clair. Yeah, that that's that's the other thing is you were missing some some big guys, uh, and I thought that like Essien, um, Holden Schalk played a lot of minutes uh, in the game for them. Didn't score, but again, played defense, ran up and down the the floor, rebounded. Little things, little things that the, the, they aren't the first column you look at on the stats. We always look to see, did a guy score? But I thought he played really uh, well for them. They, they got a good effort from a lot of people. This is a nice win, 52-38. to 38. Again, when you don't have Luke or Logan Ellis or Derek Distelrath, you know, like when you told me they weren't playing, I kind of like rolled my eyes and like, oh, here we go again. I just saw an 81-18 right. game. Now I'm going to see another bad game. Nope. The Saints rose to the occasion, played a real good uh, basketball uh, game, and, uh, and Tech had had some kids that can play too. So St. Clair, uh, three and two. Honestly, they probably feel like they should be four and one. That they, they they feel like they let that first Armada game slip away. They scored five points in the fourth quarter in that game uh, when they when they lost the New Haven game. They only lost by three as well. That one was a little different situation. They were down like 10 with like a minute 15 to go and got it to three, and they had a shot at the basket at the end, but 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 missed. So that one's not one where you can go, well, no, you had to scratch and claw to make it a three-point game. But they could be four and, four and one. They come back with Yale on Tuesday. Saints could be four and two going into conference play. And, and feeling pretty dang good about themselves. And, and again, like, I, I guess we, sh- we shouldn't be surprised, but just, like, kind of coming off, well, last year was just such a catastrophe with COVID and everything, and St. Clair, uh, the, the football and the basketball, it just had a bad year. It did, and and, 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 and a and place you, where we've, in the past five to ten years, have gotten used to seeing, like, that just penciling in St. Clair near the top yeah. of, of the, the area in both sports. And, and it looks like last year is more of an anomaly than a trend mm-hmm. because they bounced right back this year. Uh, and, and yeah, the, the, they look like a, a basketball team that's going to win some games this year. Absolutely. And like I said, very easily could be 4-1. and one. They're 3-2 and two right now. 
And that's, well, it's two more wins than they had all of last year. And a lot of the same kids. So, again, I want to reiterate to give those kids credit because they've gotten better. Like the same kids you saw last year and I saw last year are better basketball players and were better football players than they were in 2020. Yeah. Um, we, we mentioned name. Pennewell. The, the difference between Pennewell this year and last year, night and day. Mm-hmm. The Ellis's even. Last year, when they had it, they were kind of out of control. They were like tornadoes going up and down the court, which is one thing we love about them. But they didn't know when to slow it down. This year, they still go really fast, but they know when to slow it down. Um, all right. My turn? Your turn. Marysville took on Corona, and it was kind of a cathartic game for the Vikings. Uh I saw them. They lost two of the last three games I saw them. They lost by three to Lakeview, like 33, no, 36-33, then lost to PH, 33-30, struggled to score, not really able to do to get their game going, and it felt like they were in a funk. They broke out of that in a big way. They beat Corona 62-55. And the one thing we talked about is Caitlin Kane, who we know can score had been struggling. Teams had been keen on her and shutting her down. She broke through those chains and exploded 34 points for Kane. She got it started early. She was getting steals, getting buckets. As a team, they were getting uh, buckets. They, they scored 16 in the first, 18 in the second, slowed down a little in the third, but scored 19 points in the fourth quarter. And Corona was matching them almost bucket for bucket. Ellie Tony was a, a nice player for Corona. She had 29. So you had two, two leading scorers going back and forth. But Marysville played really nice as a team. They had the, their other players were also uh, doing well. Maddie Smith. Quietly ended with 11 points. That's a nice night. Kara Miller had six. Marysville needed that win bad, and they got it. I was at, like, the, the, the fact that Kane scored 34 and that Marysville got 62 doesn't surprise well, me because by the I way, know they have that capability. That 62 is the most they've scored in a regulation game since I believe it was the 2017 districts. Oh. But the fact that Corona got 55 surprised me a little bit. It was but, up and down action. Yeah. Tony played well inside. Uh, Sydney Gillette added, let me add this up real quick, uh, 11 points as well for them. Corona's, they're 1-4, but they are not a bad team. At least they didn't play like it there. Yeah, you're used to Marysville shutting teams down, but they got a little bit of a track meeting. Well, they, they were able, they, uh, able to outrun them. I know Gabby Fogarty had a 38-point game because I did that one. That, um, but that but was in that, double overtime, right? Yeah, but but still. So, like, Kane was probably pretty close to I, – I don't know if anybody at Marysville has ever gone off for over 40. I think there has been before. I'm sure. I know they've had some good players who are probably capable of it, but 34 points has got to be one of the highest-scoring games in a while for, for a Viking girls basketball player. Yeah. If you anytime you get over thirty, that's that's rarefied air. And yeah, she was she was unbelievable. She was scoring at times at will. And then the other impressive thing is that if you watch NBA basketball, some people will complain when you see a guy has like a thirty two point night, but he has fourteen free throws. Caitlin Kane didn't make a free throw. I don't think she went to the line at all. 
Which is weird because that's her game is slashing in yes. to the paint and going up against the contact, challenging people to to try to put a body on her. So she didn't get any freebies. I mean, she, and the thing is, her defense creates offense. So that was that that was a really nice win for Marysville. They will be back in action. Let me uh, pull this up real quick for you. Um, they take on. Who do they take on after the new year? Lance Cruz on the fourth. That's a non-league game. I, they're not in the, the gold. I right? don't believe so, no. No, and then they get into it with Roseville at home that Thursday. And then it's all league play from basically there on out. Now the boys, which was the we- one of the weirdest games I've ever done. <laughs> like when we get to the summer and we talk about the weirdest things that happened, like we did this past summer – this game is going to be high up on the list. So it uh, starts off, if you've never been to SC4, they do this for the, the college games too, and they wanted to give the, the high school kids a college experience, is they turn the lights off, they get someone on the spotlight when they do player intros, they, they, they follow them, whatever, it's, it's, a, it's a nice touch. The lights... I mean, they're, they're new lights. They turn on like that. They're, they're not the, like the old McMoran lights, which took two minutes to warm up. <laughs> um, so they do that, and they go to turn the lights back on. And, like, half the lights are on. And no one really noticed because there's plenty of lights. When they're all on, it's a super bright gym. So even at half lit, it's still perfectly fine. It's still better lit than their old gym that they had. So they, they do that, and they play, like, one possession. And, like, lights are turning on and off randomly. And they go, like, for 30 seconds, and then the official goes, no, we're not playing with lights flashing and flickering like we're, like we're, it, we're in a club and it's just a disco out there. So he, call, he calls timeout, and they wait. Lights are flashing, boom, 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 and it was random. It wasn't like one line would turn on. and then, No, it was just like three would turn on on the one end and five would turn off on the other and keep going. And eventually, after like three minutes, once they stopped like trying to get them all on, the two coaches just said, it's well lit enough, we're fine. And then slowly throughout the first quarter, lights would turn on to uh, by halftime. I think we had every single light on probably well before then. So that killed like five minutes, and I'd never seen that happen before. <laughs> and then like the next possession, a kid lost his shoe, and which happens from time to time. But what usually doesn't happen is like a 90-second possession where Marysville got like four offensive rebounds and the kid from Bishop Foley is running around with one shoe on. That was just another thing added to the list. It was not a well-played first quarter. It was five to two Marysville at the end of one. (laughs) So I'm done. And by the end of the first quarter, I've been on the air. You got the 15-minute pregame, probably 45 minutes because with the delay and it was just – sloppy basketball it's like what is going on second quarter was a little better uh 15 15 was the score at halftime you're like all right they figured it out a little bit they get it going and then bishop foley really turned it on in the third they scored 18 to go up 33 26 and in the fourth quarter marysville's trying to come back i think they got it to a five-point game and i thought i lost my mind at one point because, well, excuse me, actually, this was in the third quarter. 
The third quarter starts, and I look up like three minutes in. Fouls are six to nothing in favor of Bishop Foley. Like, like legitimately, I looked up. There's like five thirteen on the clock, and it's six nothing. I'm like, they're in the bonus, and we're not halfway through the third quarter. And then the fouls keep going, and by the end of the quarter, it's nine to two. And this happened in a the Marine City. Uh, uh, St. Clair boys game, and you weren't you weren't on the show, and I want to ask you this because at some point, and I said this on the air, you almost as a coach have to stand up. Eric Shunk didn't get a tech; he just got a bench warning. But it's like when the fouls are six or seven, nothing or nine to two. Don't you almost have to get some sort of call like that just to say like, "Hey, I've got your back," almost like when a MLB manager gets ejected, not necessarily because he's actually that mad, but because he has to prove a point. Yeah, I mean, I... Because I, Matt Disterath in the game again, in the Marine City-St. Clair game, got a tech and the fouls were like 7-1. to one. And after that, St. Clair went on like an 8-0 run or something. And, and it kind of did swing the momentum a bit. Yeah, I, I, I get all that. But here, here's always been my thing. Um... Sometimes, well, I'm going to say this. Games are never even. But in the end, they'll always end up even. But games are never, never. Some teams foul more than other teams. Right. They simply do. It's a fact of life. If you're not as good as the other team, you're going to, you should get more fouls. Which, yes. You should get more fouls because you're not as good. They're taking advantage of you. You can't stop them unless you grab them on the way by or, or whatever. So I always kind of – I get annoyed like, yeah, there is the odd occasion where you're, you're kind of getting jobbed on officiating. You, you go to some places and they get some home cooking, whatever. But nine times out of ten, the game is being called the way the game is. Guys don't walk into the gymnasium going – I am gonna just stick it to these guys right. tonight, and they're not. Gonna and I get a will call. say, despite it doesn't happen that it way. It wasn't like the and I, it usually does even out. Yes, and I didn't think it was the worst officiated game I had seen all year. There's one more thing we'll get to in the fourth quarter, but as a coach, though, if you are Eric Shunk in that situation, don't like. And I get it. Maybe he even agrees that it shouldn't be. It should be lopsided. But don't you have to stick up for your kids? Well, yeah, and, and yeah. You, I mean, like, you're going to. Like, if you get a tech in that situation, it's not necessarily the worst thing ever. Like, you have to, you have to have some gamesmanship there and, and understand the situation and let the officials know, like, hey, I see it sick. Because as a coach, part of your job is to curry favor with the officials. And right or wrong, whether it should be like that, if if an official looks up and they see the fouls are. Nine to two, next call is probably going Marysville's way. So that's just something I wanted to yeah. ask you about. And there, there's a psychological part to it too, because yeah. if the officials look up at the board and see that in the back of their mind, they're like, "Oh, I got to make a couple of right. calls." So, like I say, it usually ends up evening out. But like w w with with all of that, sometimes the fouls are nine to two because the fouls are nine to two, right? So that was just one thing I just wanted to bring it up, and I agree. And there are times where, yes, the fouls are uh, have a big disparity, but 
I just wanted to go more at it from like as a coach's perspective. Yeah. No, and I I do the same thing. You, you got to get up. You got to do whatever you can to right. Not just like it, it's it's really not. You're not going after the official. You're you're doing it as you said to kind of spark and motivate your kids. Because if you don't do it, you could be in a situation where the kids go, or your players go. Follows are nine to two, and coach hasn't said a word. Like that—that's the game you have to play. And again, every locker room's different, every coaching style is different, every kid's different. It's not a cookie cutter approach. But no, I just we're, we're, we're kind of off on a yeah. uh, on a tangent. But yeah, you—you've hit a subject that drives me crazy in, in hockey, and I saw it a lot in the minor leagues. You even see it in the NHL, um, and, and that is um, every year without fail. You could look at the the league stats mm. and the power plays, and the worst team in the league would always get the most power plays, and the best team in the league would always get the fewest, and it should be the other way around. The best teams have the puck all the time. They're getting chased. They have possession. They should be drawing power plays and getting power play chances because the other teams can't keep up with them, and it's always the other way around, and it's because they officiate by the score, and they feel like, oh, well, these guys aren't any good, and they're going to lose 9-2 to two tonight, so I'm going to give them a couple of power plays and, and give them a chance to try to keep it close for as long as I can. No, 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 and every ref who does that should be fired. Anyway, <laughs> so in the fourth quarter, Marysville's trying to come back. It's like uh, anywhere from a seven to th- like five-point game, and Marysville's getting a little momentum. Five-point game. They come down. Marysville goes to th- shoot a layup. The Bishop Foley kid jumps up and grabs the net and, like, punches the ball out from the cylinder. And I go, oh, that's goaltending. That's a bucket for Marysville. And there was no whistle blown. And I'm like – and I'm waiting, and, like, the Marysville bench is going, and, and but but Coach Shunk's staying calm, and I'm like, did I not see that right? Because that would have made it, like, a one-possession game, and the layup was there, and he's just like, and there was no call, and I was just like, like, it was as, like, if you put a clinic tape on, this is illegal, this is goaltending, <laughs> they would have thrown that play because it was going straight down and it's like when you're playing in in your driveway and you get mad because your brother or someone hit the game when you bucket and you just punch it out from the middle that's what it looked like and there was no call and that was the one thing that did blow my mind with that well that was the one big officiating gaffe turned out not to matter bishop foley did win 46 39 but at the end of the game it was, I believe the score was 44-37. And Marysville went to intentionally foul. And it, it looked like a run-of-the-mill intentional foul. Well, uh, I don't remember the player for Foley. But he took exception to something. And it looked like, Dennis, you've seen a thousand intentional fouls. Yeah. Unless you lower your shoulder and football tackle them it's not an issue like there was in in the northern game tyler jameson they intentionally followed him they put two hands on his back they didn't go for the ball they didn't call an intentional whatever but they follow him and he goes to the line and the kid shoots his first free throw and i'm looking down i'm looking at my stats in between and next thing i know whistle t i'm like what 
I, I'm like, wait, did someone call a timeout? And I'm looking around. No, the kid shooting free throws, I guess, was talking to the Marysville player and said the magic words and got a technical while shooting free throws. Have you ever seen that in your life? No, and, and in that situation, too, what a dumb move. It was, because it was a seven-point game, and Dennis, he could have shot the ball backwards. Marysville did not have enough time to score three, get three possessions and score three times. Now, I didn't know this. He got to finish his second free throw, and then they, Marysville went down and shot their two free throws, made it a five-point game. Didn't matter, but it could have. It made now, it, it made, you're, it you're giving it, you're giving a, the team that's behind a chance to score points while the clock doesn't move. It's just a, it's just a dumb. Shoot your free throws and win the game. Right. It was just bizarre. Um, so for Marysville, Cole Bowman had 11. Zach Winston, a freshman, had eight. Cole Haran, another freshman, had six with a couple of three pointers. Excuse me. For Foley, uh, Michael Huskins had 12. Adam Kidder and Jackson Zider each had 11. So. All right. Still another day to go, and there were six games played yesterday and some good ones once Brady got to, to start doing games. But we'll talk about that when we come back. Buying or selling a home? You need an experienced company standing ready to help you with all your real estate needs who is committed to making you the client number one. O'Connor Realty hung out its real estate sign in the city of Marysville almost 40 years ago to help the good people of this community buy and sell their homes. O'Connor Realty provides access to free, no-obligation home valuation reports prepared by a licensed realtor with no hidden fees. Located at 2801 Gratiot Boulevard, Marysville, give O'Connor Realty a call at 810 364 87 for all your real estate needs, O'Connor Realty. Small enough to know you, large enough to serve you. If your windows stick, <laughs> slip, <laughs> squeak, or leak, replace them with Anderson windows. With low E glass, low maintenance exteriors, and rich wood interiors, standard and custom sizes, they can turn simple window replacement into serious home improvement. Oh. Hi, Chip Mortimer here, inviting you to experience the difference at Mortimer Lumber. Our expert staff will be here to help before, during, and after the sale. Stop by Mortimer Lumber, 24th and Lapeer Avenue in Port Huron. Neiman's Family Market, located in St. Clair, is family-owned and operated and involved in the community. Neiman's has created a shopping experience providing a variety of quality products, specialty items, with superior customer service. Whatever your grocery needs are, from meats, bulk food, bakery items, produce, or even floral, Neiman's Family Market has what you will need. Entertaining? Neiman's has a full deli, and they do party trays. Check out our new mobile website and see weekly specials, coupons, and recipes. Open 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. all week long. Visit Neiman's Family Market in St. Clair. You'll be glad you did. Overhead Door Company of St. Clair County has been serving the community for over 30 years. Located at 5400 Lapeer Road in Kimball, overhead doors are the premier choice for durability, serviceability, and hassle-free performance for commercial and industrial doors. Overhead doors boasts a complete selection of performance and safety-tested commercial and industrial upward-acting doors and manufacture a wide array of styles to meet your needs. Overhead Door Company of St. Clair County, 5400 Lapeer Road in Kimball, call 810 918 
Hey guys, Brady Beaton here to let you know that TP Logos is now at their brand new location. Now located at 901 Michigan Avenue in Marysville, TP Logos has the largest in-stock selection of your team's spirit wear. While the location has changed, the service has not. They still will handle all of your custom screen printing and embroidery needs. Check out tplogos.com to see their vast selection of products, including Badger Sportswear, Nike, North Face, Richardson Hats, Carhartt, and more. Don't wait weeks for your gear. Get it in days with TP Logos. Having car trouble? Look no further than Marysville Goodyear. Located at 291 Range Road, Marysville Goodyear will take care of all your automotive needs. They know that just one visit to them will make you a customer for life. Whether it's a tune-up or tire rotation, consistency is the name of the game for the folks at Marysville Goodyear. Need tires? Marysville Goodyear is a certified dealer of Goodyear, Dunlop, and Kelly tires, and they stock tires for cars, trucks, SUVs, and more. Give them a call today at 810-364-4700. Marysville Goodyear, where your satisfaction is our guarantee. We welcome you to make Port Huron Schools your district of choice. Your child will experience an education with the most athletic, extracurricular, and academic opportunities in the region at Port Huron Schools. We specialize in providing personalized success for all students because each Port Huron Schools journey is unique and special. This year, more than ever, we truly appreciate our families and would like to thank them for their continued support. Please go to www.phasd.us and our social media for the latest updates on Port Huron Schools. Hello, this is Tim Sheridan, owner of Sheridan Real Estate and Insurance in Lexington, a family tradition that started back in 1925 with Grandpa Sheridan. Promoting trust, care, and excellence, Sheridan is dedicated to understanding and taking care of all your needs. Respected throughout the community and dedicated, Sheridan is a proud supporter of local activities like high school athletics. For all your real estate and insurance needs, please go to our website at SheridanAgency.com. If you're not listening to GetStuckOnSports.com, that's a personal foul. Your kids, your schools, your sports. All right, welcome back. Uh, Dennis Stuckey, Brady Beaton, Tri-County Equipment, Get Stuck On Sports uh, podcast. Day three of the uh, showcase uh, tournament at SC4 started with uh, an interesting matchup. The 6-1 and one Port Huron High Lady Big Reds against 4-1 and one Goodrich. Two real good uh, basketball uh, teams, a real good uh, matchup. Uh, and uh, this one, scoring was at a premium because this was defense, defense, defense. Brady, I- I'm going to tell you what, the, the, the muckier, dirtier, sloppier, nastier the game is, the better the Big Reds play. At this point, it's just what they do. Like, I, I know they have the ability. Like, they have girls who can score and, and play, I guess, a clean basketball game. But at this point, they don't need to. They have adopted it. It's like the uh, line from Batman when Bane goes, you think darkness is your ally? Yeah, they're the darkness. <laughs> That's how they play. And it's awesome because at this point, they just, like, their last, here are their last, well, their seven-game winning streak. They beat Waterford Art of the Lady of the Lakes 49-11. Beat Anchor Bay 45-29. Then, here comes the slop. 33-30. They got out a win at an undefeated Stevenson team. They beat Northern 33-26. They got out a 33-30 win again against Marysville. 41-35 against St. Ignace. And then, the game you saw. 31-23. to uh, 23. So, the, the Big Reds led 14-7 to 7 at the end of the first quarter. 
they did not make another shot from the floor until three minutes were left in the third quarter. Okay? I'm going to say that again. Yes. 14-7 to pH at the end of the first quarter. They did not make another field goal until three minutes were left in the third quarter, and at no point did they trail. At no point did they fall behind in the basketball game. They led all the way through. They scored two points in the second quarter on a couple of free throws, and they had nothing in the third, and then they closed out the third with nine points. So they ended up winning the third 9-2. to two. But they went a quarter and a half without scoring At a least. basket. Because you just said from the end of the first, so there was probably time in the first quarter. Yeah, they, 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 I mean, but, but basically, they right. went a quarter and a half without but, scoring a basket. And they never fell behind in the game. And it's not like they had a huge lead either. They gave up. This is Goodrich. Yes. This is not a bad basketball team. This is a good team with good players. Seven points in the first. They were 4-1 and one coming into this game. Yes. Seven points in the first, seven points in the second, two points in the third, seven points in, in the fourth. They, the Corona, they gave up 23 points that to a team, Goodrich team that had scored 57 and 70 yeah. in the two games before. The 57 was against Corona. I mean, uh, and Julia. They held that Corona team to 20. Julia Gilbert scored 17. Her last eight points were from the free throw line. She scored all nine of her field goals, or or, or, or she, she had a three and three two-point baskets all in the first quarter, didn't make a basket the rest of the game, and finished with 17 points. Yep. <laughs> they, they don't do it the prettiest way. But it doesn't matter. They're 7-1, which, by the way, talk about a front-loaded schedule. How many teams do you know that play eight games before the new year? Well, that was the thing. They played the day before down in Detroit at the Round Ball Classic. And beat St. Ignace. Yeah. So, yeah. And, again, and they didn't have everybody either. They had to bring up a couple of girls from uh, uh, JV. Uh, Jordan yeah. Fiedler and Danielle Brown came up because Izzy Trombley's still out. Yeah, Izzy Trombley's hurt, and they didn't have uh, Aubrey Washington yesterday. Yeah, so I mean, um, they just they play mucky defense. Uh, they they play hard. Ju- Julia Gilbert has become a shot blocker, and she's rude about it, which is awesome. PH <laughs> plays with an edge, and that's why they're fun to watch. Like. And, and there's multiple girls. Uh, Ileana Williams plays just like that, too. Like, they play mean. They play like we're going to beat you for 32 minutes and and, and take the win, and you're going to remember it. You're going to feel it in the morning. Like, they play with a little bit of nastiness to them, and it's fun to watch. They do a great job to boxing out, like little, just little things. They box out. You don't get a lot of second chances against the Big Reds. You go down, you miss your first shot. There's not too many times you get a second shot. And the other thing we've said about them is they've shut down star players. Peyton Lee, Jersey McGregor, and Caitlin Kane all have scored. I think from the floor it was what, like combined nine points from the floor? Like yeah. The- 
the 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 top scorer for for Goodrich was uh, Alicia Eisenberg, who had nine points. Nobody else for Goodrich had more than four. And I'm telling you, they got five, six really good players. Well, now the big test they play Lance Cruz North on Tuesday, and Brooke Daniels is a, uh, a Miss Basketball candidate. Yeah, she's if they she's shut something else. her down. That would take them from being like an area good team to what are they going to do in the MAC Red? What are they going to do in their district? My, here's my question: What what do you do? You focus on stopping her, or do you just say, okay, you know, we'll let her get 25 points and they'll score 27 against us? We'll have a discussion about that when we get to our last game. We talk about yeah, uh, Cass City beat K Pack in uh, boys basketball 50 to uh, 28. KPAC plays hard. Uh, again, the, the, they just don't have a, a lot of shooters or, or like, natural scorers. The, the, they struggle to get points. But I'll tell you what, they run up and down the court, and they play hard on every play, and, and they play the whole game. They, 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 they play you hard for uh, 32 minutes. Uh, and Cass City, um, they, they got two kids that can score, and sometimes that's all you need, you know, when you're a school that size. Uh, but uh, Carter Patrick and uh, Michael uh, Fernald uh, are, are shooters, uh, and, and they do nice things. Uh, and then in the uh, girls' game, Brown City girls beat uh, K-Pac 42-12. And, and, again, K-Pac kids play hard. They're just – they couldn't score. And, the, and Brown City, once they got going, they played a lot of kids, and they got a lot of contributions from a lot of kids. And uh, Carly uh, Kopflesch – and Abby Stanley are uh, two good players for uh, them that combined for uh, 22 points yesterday. But that one, that was a weird game. That was 9 nothing at the end of the first quarter. That one was 16-4 uh, to four at halftime. K-Pac uh, only made four shots from the field in the entire basketball game. So that was a rough one for them. And, and K-Pac's won a couple of games. They're they're two and four now, and uh, Brown City is three and three after uh, that one. Uh, and then I went home because I'd seen enough, <laughs> and I was thinking maybe the offenses would pick up with Cross Lex and Stony Creek. Which, by the way, uh, going into this game, Cross Lex excluding the forfeit, so games that were played that involved a basketball they have not lost a regular season game since December 27th of 2019 and I'm saying it again so guess what I'm not jinxing you I said it before Brown City you still won there's no such thing as a jinx anyway uh so and I mentioned it before the Stony Creek game too they get off to a 14 to 7 start and Kind of like the other games, kept Stony Creek at bay. Uh, they end up winning 42-36. And no one offensively played particularly great, but the defense was there for Cross-Lex. They, they, they were able to shut down Stony Creek for the most part. One of the big reasons is Peyton Rumler, who was a 6-7, I believe, and, and got some, some meat on his bones. A uh, big man for him. Got in foul trouble and eventually fouled out. But... Stony Creek wanted to play kind of a slower, methodical style of offense, and they were taking their time going around the arc, passing it, passing it, like wait, almost waiting for Cross Lex to make a dis- mistake defensively, 
And if that and if you're waiting for Croslex to make a mistake defensively, we'd still be at SC four passing it around the arc. Like they just they were very passive. They didn't have a lot of like they didn't try to force the issue at all, which can be good at times, but they never like they didn't have someone that could go, okay, they didn't create their own separation. They didn't create their own shots. And Croslex took advantage of it. They scored when they needed to. Sage Slanik Led the team with 10 points. When do you think the last time Cross Lex had a game where their leading scorer had 10? Usually uh, they've got somebody with 10 in the first quarter. Right. Uh, Zach Kretsch had 8. Donovan McDonald had 8 as well. Jake Townsend and Trey Kolakovich combined for 11 points. If you would have told me that before, I'd have to go, oh, Stony Creek must, must be doing something right. They're going to win this game. No. They, they, they won this game. They, they had to muddy it up. And that's, I guess, the slight difference from the team last year. Obviously, we've talked about it, is they've taken the step back. But they find a way to win a game against a much bigger school than them. Stony Creek was 2-2 two and two against Class A schools. And, hey, you play good defense. You give yourself a chance to win. Offensively, sometimes you just have to do enough to win. And that's what they did. I just, uh, again, I don't worry about Croslex because, uh, and, and, and you said it, sometimes the offense isn't there, and yet still on those nights, they're good enough to win games. Mm-hmm. They'll make enough shots because you know that they're always going to give you an honest effort on defense. Yes. They're, they're probably the best defensive team in the area just because they are so disciplined with it. Um, now on to the game that I think me and you had circled as maybe not the best one, possibly, but the most intriguing, Port Huron High, Brown City. Uh, both these teams came in, Brown City 1-3, Port Huron High 1-2, but I think we agree that the records maybe undervalue what these teams are. And it, excited to see a few players come in. So it starts off, and Brown City kind of is setting the pace. After a quarter, it's 11-8. to eight. Muxlow was held in check. It was actually Curtis Stanley. He had six points in the opening quarter. Then PH started to get it going. Nate Oriole is starting to heat up from downtown. I believe he had three threes at the half. PH was on fire. They had five as a team. They were leading 22-18 to 18 at the half. They took the lead in the second quarter. They didn't give it up in the third. It was They, they played a 14-14 third quarter. They went into the fourth 36-32. And just kind of kept pace, and then Caden Muxlow started to make some shots. Curtis Stanley got back in the game. They got it going. Brown City took the lead. It's going back and forth. Port here on high ties it with like 10 seconds left. Brown City brings it down. It ends up uh, Brown City's ball underneath the basket. So what naturally does everyone do? is they double-team Gaden Muxler, yeah. who had 19 points. So what does Brown City do? Throw a lob into Curtis Stanley, takes catches it, takes one step to the left, baby hook with the right, bang, down the middle, like four seconds left, and Port Heron High inbounds in and doesn't get the shot off. 44-42, Brown City beats Port Heron High. And what was... A heck of a ball game and two very evenly matched teams. Yeah, and that's kind of what we were we were curious to see. Like we thought, okay, these are two teams that are very similar to us, uh, and, and really interested to see what this game 
comes out as, and we weren't disappointed. It was neck and neck, uh, and to well, like I, I and I know you've liked Brown City mm-hmm. since since the start of the uh, the year, and Stanley and Muxlow are really good players. Where's PH at? Where are these young guys at? I'll see them next week, but I haven't so, seen them yet. Nate Oriole is starting to come into his own the last few games. Yeah, Jameson scored like 42 against them. He had 17. Like, let's not have that be lost. He had a 17-point performance, follows it up with a 12-point performance on all threes. He is becoming one of the better shooters. Uh, Connor Rosenau at times can be be the guy offensively. I I almost want him to be just a little more aggressive. He 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 just a few times he needs to just I think take it to the basket and just try to get the buckets because he has the ability to. And then he scored. I think he had a three to start, and then he didn't score to like the third or fourth quarter. He he's a nice player. Albin Wallenfang. He he's a transfer in. I believe he was a homeschool kid before this, and. You can tell he has a lot of basketball skill, but I don't know. Like, he still needs to develop the other areas. Like, he can dribble really well. He can shoot really well. He just needs to get the basketball IQ up a little bit. Uh, But he's a nice player. It's just how are they going to get it going? Uh, Brendan Coronado, another player, he had seven points. Just need to get a few things clicking at the same time. And I, I think, I know Lincoln's probably the best team in the silver, but if Port here on high can get a few of these kids to really start to take another step, I think they could be in the top half of the silver. And the silver is a tough league. A lot of times with young players, the it, top it, part is. it's getting consistency. Yeah. It's, it's like even in, in game situations, like one quarter you'll see a stretcher like, oh, yeah, he's figured it out, and then – kind of goes away for a quarter. It's like it's getting that consistency so that every night your performance is the same all the way through. I think they really need to get a win to get some confidence going. Once I think they get confidence, they're going to get rolling. They go to Farmington for a game on the third. No idea what they're like, but let's see what their record is. But, yeah, I think they really need to get – they're one in four as well. Uh, So – if Portier and I can get a little more confidence, I'd like to see them because you see them what next? Or they play? Uh, I think I see them next I think, Friday. I think is that the boys or the girls? I think I see the boys next Friday Let's against see. Clintondale. Yes, yes, you do. All right, so you'll get to see them, and uh, yeah. So now one more game, the game that I'm sure everyone's been waiting for us to talk about: Portier on Northern against Troy Athens. Uh, let's not bury the lead. Tyler Jameson sets a school record with 47 points, and his first quarter was maybe one of the best quarters I've ever seen from a high school basketball player. Now, granted, I have not been traveled wide and far for high school basketball, but in this area, he had 16 points in the first quarter. So I I had a friend come to the game because we we were going to hang out after, and I'm like, I I can meet you there or just come to this last game. I'm like, Northern has a kid. You're going to want to see him play. And he's like, okay, whatever. Because I was, I was telling him like what I've said to you guys about Tyler Jamison. And the, after they, both teams traded a missed shot to start or however, Tyler Jamison's bringing the ball up, and he just kind of goes, he's, he's walking it up like you do, and he goes, I want to dunk. 
And then he just like puts on the afterburners, take two steps, goes up two-handed jam, and I just look at him, and he, you could, he's wide-eyed. I'm like, yeah, that wasn't fair. That just set the tone. He had 16 points, and at the end of the first quarter, Athens made a shot, and Tyler Jamison gets the inbound, dribbles it down, pulls up. It would have been a deep NBA three. Ball never hit the rim right down the middle. <laughs> and you're just like, yep, that's what's going to happen. Like, you expected it to go in. It was unbelievable. But Troy Athens actually would take the lead by halftime, 31-30, and then had an eight-point lead going into the fourth quarter. They were up 51-43. And I know, obviously, 47 points is unbelievable, and we'll talk about that more in a minute. But it was the Port here on Northern defense that, got them back in the game. They held Troy Athens to six points in the fourth quarter. And you can't play defense with one person. There were some nice performances that are going to be overlooked. I thought Kanye Cole came off the bench, especially in the first half, and gave Northern some really nice minutes. Malachi Mitchell played well for Northern. And again, you hold a team to six points in the fourth quarter. That's not one guy. Now, part of it was Athens, I thought, got uber conservative. Like, they're up five points with six minutes to go, and they are running. They're not holding the ball, but they are, do, they are running the four quarters, Villanova, Georgia, yeah. pass around, pass around. And I'm like, guys, I, I know you're trying not to put it in, in, in number 32's hands, but you sh- you need to at least try to score because they had four different players scoring double figures. They were the only four players that scored. But it's not like they had trouble scoring. They scored 20 in the previous quarter, and they like put it in first gear and were trying just to putz along to the end, and it did not work out. Obviously, Northern comes back, gets the win, 60-57, to but... Uh, they got so conservative. And the other thing, this is what I wanted to ask you about. Obviously, Tyler Jamison, we, we've, I'm not going to rehash all the nice things we've said about him. But what Troy Athens went to do after the first quarter is they were basically, he crossed half court, he was double teamed. That I didn't mind at first, but when it became obvious that that wasn't working, I don't know why they continued to do that. Because he has the ball handling skills to get by a double team. And where does he make his bread and butter? In the paint, going through contact. Yeah. Right? He had four and ones. He gets to the basket the better than anybody I've seen in a long time. Like It's effortless. But here's the thing. In his 47 points, he made one three-point shot. Now, yes, Tyler Jamison is a good three-point shooter. But as far as his game goes, at least last night, it was the weaker part of the game yeah and his only three was the buzzer beater why would you double team in half court where he's drawing fouls and getting by you and getting to the back because once he gets in the paint it's basically game over why not pack the paint I will take my chances with him shooting contested threes or trying to drive through three guys that are standing right there than him than trying to double team him out at half court and he's going by everyone yeah, it's like well, I mean, it's it's tough. It, it's and, and again, there's no you're, you're kind of uh, you know damned no, if you do, damned yeah. if you don't. But but I'm with you. I would rather 
Um, and and we have the luxury we see him a little bit more than yeah. than you know obviously Troy Athens has probably never seen him play right. But my thing is is if he stands outside the arc and knocks down shots all night long, I'm going to tip my cap to him. But one thing I don't want him to do is get into the paint and get those. They're not easy baskets, but he just makes them look easy. He yeah. gets so many and ones during a game. His body control is unbelievable. It's like if he's going to get three points on me every time down, I want him to do it by shooting the basketball from out beyond the, the three-point line. Right, because you can always come out to contest the three. But once he gets by you, and sometimes they started double-teaming him in the backcourt, it's over. Like once he's going with a full head of steam, and credit, there was, a, there was once or twice Malachi, they just – didn't guard Malachi Mitchell. Like, they made no bones about it. They said, nope, you're not covering him. Go on 32. And he found him, and, and Mitchell made a shot. Mitchell had a three in the game. Uh, he actually ended with seven points. He's going to find that. And when, when you have other guys making shots for you when you need to, it's, it's I don't know. It's like, they started- it's like, all right, so let's you're going to give him 20 shots. If he takes 20 shots from outside three, on a good night, five to eight? Yeah, I'd say, well, I'd say if, like, he, like, if he was hitting them, he'd probably hit nine. But but I'm just saying, if you give him 20 shots in the paint, there are some nights where he's going to make 19 of them. Yes. And and most nights he's going to make 15 plus. Yeah. So it's and, – and, yeah, it's it's tough. It really is because there's no easy answer. I mean, it's, it's easy for us to say sitting with our microphones on after the fact. I know oh, I couldn't cover him. <laughs> this, is, this is how you stop him, but I don't know. Like, it didn't work for three quarters. At what point do you switch it up? That's, that is my thing. And, again, congratulations to him. He actually breaks Joel Weimer's record uh, of 44, which – Joel took two overtimes to get to 44. <laughs> he got it in regulation, and there was a real chance he wasn't going to win that game, and it was it was weird because he's going for the record, and, and obviously it's a close game, so, like, you don't want – like, when Marco broke the, the Marysville record, that game was over since, like, two seconds into the game. Yeah, so you, you could kind of sell out to right. Marco getting the record. Where this one, it's a close game, and, then, like, he hits a free throw to, like, make it a one – or bring it within one point, I think. And I'm like, well, you just got the record, but they might not win this game. Yeah. So, anyway, big congratulations to him. And, again, he had some nice players around him step up. And if they can continue to do that, hey, that's going to help out Northern a lot. Because, again, Troy Athens, not a bad basketball team. Yeah. All right, we got a lot of games coming up again next week as we open the uh, new year, 2022. Uh, I'm just going to say, because it's been a long show today, I'm just going to say Happy New Year, uh, everybody. And, again, thanks for all the support. And, Brady, you get the last words of 2021. Well, I wasn't prepared for this. Happy New Year. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, dissolve the Mac. From Port Huron to Marysville and St. Clair to Marine City, the Blue Water Area is Stuck on Sports.